Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. So, Father, have you always known that you wanted to be a priest? No. No, it kind of came fairly late. You know, midway through college, it started kind of floating around in the background. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, it, it took a while. After, um, so did you enter seminary um, quickly after college, or was it so a number of two years? years after college, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I was nowhere near ready to go to seminary when I got out of college. But it was the time, you know, working in ministry and then working in the parish was just the right shift. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you, you worked in a church right before? Yeah, so I, I spent a year working on the Lords in Richmond. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. I was kind of youth minister, DRE, liturgists. You know, bottle washer, food bag stuffer, you know. <laughs> I understand completely. When you yeah. work for the church, there's at least 15 hats you wear yeah. a day. So. Yeah, the, the, the initial conversation was, we need to start youth ministry. Can you help? I don't really want to do youth ministry, but okay, I'll just, I mean, I don't mind working with kids. And then it became something else. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you knew what you were getting into in, in terms yeah. of parish life. Yeah, the whole on. idea was come experience parish life if you think you might want to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Um you, if you're good, we'll keep you. If you want to stay, it's great. If, if you're terrible, we'll fire you. If you want to go to seminary, we'll help you. Um, but, like, the only way you're going to be able to figure out whether parish ministry is the thing to do is if that's what you spend some time there. there. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And I, you know, beginning of the year, I started visiting this lady in the nursing home who had lost all of her family members. She was mm. the only one left. Um, you know, she's in her mid-80s and husband, children, grandchildren, you know, aunts and uncles, Everyone had died, and all alone. And at the end of the year, I helped bury her, and I preached at her graveside. Did you really? Yeah. So it was this beautiful, like, kind wow. of bookend experience to the whole of what you know parish life kind of looks like. Mm. You know, for someone who's sort of in the middle of doing things. And, you know, so I helped with first communions and confirmations and retreats and youth ministry and you know fish fries and just the whole gamut of things yeah it wow was a perfect perfect opportunity wow yeah. that's great and so you ended up uh in seminary with father john david the same yeah time, so this, right? we started at the same time and he was at uh, theological college and i ended up at baltimore oh i didn't realize you were yeah. at different seminaries yeah okay. so every every few weeks we'd kind of meet up in annapolis and hang out and oh, okay stuff like that so yeah okay. it was good so you started the same year, but you must have. So yeah, I, I went when I went on pastoral year. He went on pastoral year. Okay, but he was done with academics at that point, and then transitioned for diaconate and priesthood. So okay, uh, I got ordained a deacon a year around a year after he was ordained a priest. Oh, okay, because he was okay. ordained deacon and priest fairly quickly. I see. Okay. Yeah. Because of his educational background. Yeah, so, yeah. right, that makes sense. Um, well, Father, we have uh, quite the topic to break into today. So, um, so we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Vici Mendham Show. I'm Austin Farenhold, uh, Director of Mission here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And today we have Father Brian Capuano with us, who's a pastor at St. Joseph's in Petersburg, Virginia. Um, which you have a school there as well, don't you, Father? We do, yes. Pre-K through 8, Pre-K, right? Yeah, JK through 8. It's the uh, oldest surviving Catholic school in in the Commonwealth. So it actually oh, wow, really? began in 1876. Holy smokes. Yeah. Wow. And you said JK through 8? Is that junior yeah, kindergarten? Yeah, so junior kindergarten. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I wasn't sure if you were using the acronym JK. Like, just kidding. <sighs> I just love to just say pre-K, but you can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed anymore. 
Uh, and also, Father, you are a canon lawyer for the diocese, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Working in the tribunal, per- and one of the areas you work on is annulment cases. Is yes. This right? mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we had an email um, from somebody to the show a while back asking um, us to do a podcast on divorce. And so we spent some time praying about it and how do we, how do we go into this topic. It's a complicated topic, and unfortunately – uh, it seems to be a topic that is that impacts a lot of people with the divorce rate in America fifty percent. Um, I believe it's about fifty percent, right? Yeah. That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about half. So you're not going to find many people who have not been impacted uh, to some degree or another by divorce. And so um, there is another layer in the Catholic Church when we look at divorce is also annulment. Um, so we wanted to do a topic on this just to hopefully. Uh, now, we were talking before the show that this could easily be a two to five hour podcast, if not a couple books on all this, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you go down one route, you end up having a much longer discussion than you started with. Yeah. Right. So our hope is to give some uh, just some general thoughts on annulment um, and and some considerations, maybe some interesting facts and really to let the Holy Spirit guide this. Sure. Um, but I think at at the beginning, Father, before we started recording, one of the things that you said, and I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about this as, uh, to get us started, is the particular nature of annulments, that, that there's not really a blanket approach, right, but that it comes down to the person-to-person um, when it comes to annulment. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, for me, when I think about marriage and I think about the difficulty uh, of divorce and then how the Catholic Church is involved in that in people's lives. I, for me, I always begin with that second chapter in Genesis, mm. right, where Adam goes, ah, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, mm. right? Uh, this one's mine, and I belong to this one. Um, that's how a lot of us start out. We, we discover another. Uh, we desire intimacy with another. We don't wake up one morning going, I can't wait until I can have a terrible relationship with someone else. I can't wait to go <laughs> right. talk to civil lawyers and split up my property and, and share my kids. None of us think that way. And so I think the important thing is we begin with, I, I desire, I long for another. Ultimately, that other is the Lord. And that is shared in our human relationships. And, and the church is a part of all of that. Hmm. We're meant to be members of the body. Uh, and so when we consider the the beauty of marriage and the difficulty of divorce, uh, it's not meant for blanket statements. Hmm. That that considering the situation, it's supposed to be a one-on-one. Like, where are you and what's going on with your marriage? Uh, what's occurred with your divorce? What are the reasons behind what's occurred? And then we can have a discussion about, uh, how you step forward in faith and what your participation in the life of the church is and wh- how it should look like. Hmm. Um, can you, uh, before we go a lot further into uh, the topics, can you give maybe a brief understanding of what annulment means? Sure. So we have a common notion that an annulment is Catholic divorce. It's just our funny little way of you know, doing what everybody else does. Right. Um, but it's not that. So from a Catholic perspective, from a basic Christian perspective, uh, marriage is between a man and a woman for the whole of life. I hand myself over to you. You hand yourself over to me. 
there's permanence to that union. There's meant to be fidelity in that union. There's meant mm-hmm. to be an openness to life. Divorce uh, is that civil recognition that the union has ended and that certain rights are no longer exchanged. Uh, and civil society can determine what occurs when that proclamation is, what that declaration is provided. Hmm. Um, so, you know, civil courts can determine what occurs between the persons in terms of what's exchanged hmm. and goods, the relationship with children, um, what kind of relationship those two people may have to engage in moving forward. An annulment is a public declaration um, that your public union, that we're, we call a marriage, you know, that union that you contracted uh, in the sight of the Lord in the midst of the church, that's recognized by the church, uh, in fact is not binding the way we first thought it appeared hmm. to be binding. Uh, so it, it is not the marriage contract we thought. And because we're publicly declaring that it is not what we seem to think it was before, it's a public statement that then potentially the individual or individuals, the man and the wife, are then free to attempt marriage a second time. Okay. Um, So we acknowledge that marriage contracted between the parties is a public act, even though it's only occurring between, between two people. And so the minute that marriage happens, uh, we assume that that union is for life and that they are bound until one of the parties dies. Hmm. The annulment process is the public response of the church to, in a sense, alert folks, hey, we acknowledged that these two people attempted marriage, but what they attempted was not, in fact, binding for life. And so it's a public declaration that they are, in fact, free to be able to attempt marriage later. Okay. So for those who have been a part of a marriage process in the past, we usually ask for statements from family members and friends to testify that they know that those individuals who want to get married are, in fact, free to marry. Oh, I see. Affidavits for the freedom to marry. It's that public declaration that we acknowledge that these two individuals are free to be able to say yes to one another, to become one Mm. uh, within marriage. And so the annulment process is on the other end saying, hey, you guys say that you're married. Yeah, the state told you that you were divorced, but you're bound together as one, and we acknowledge it because we're all members of the church together. And now you're saying that the union has broken down, and you're wondering about the very core of that union. And so you're asking the church to step in and pastorally assist you to see whether the union that you said yes to is binding for life or not. Oh, okay. I see. So that then you're publicly, again, free to be able to consider marriage to someone else. See, now that, that's a – I like the way that that, that is uh, portrayed, that it's asking the church – like in many ways, you know, if you have a, a crisis in your family um, and, and you're a Catholic, oftentimes you want to go and talk to a priest. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a similar situation that now you're there's kind of an interior and exterior crisis of your, your marriage and wondering about these things. And so then you're, the annulment process is 
uh, is like going to the church and saying, can you assist with this? Can mm-hmm. you help us understand what this was and, mm-hmm. and pastorally walk with us? Is that fair to say? Yeah, what? yeah. I, I think the difficulty is we, um, we sometimes simplify things too much. Sure. So sometimes we retain a too childish or youthful image of certain things and we don't allow ourselves and we don't allow others to enter into a more mature, more developed understanding. So when we're growing up, our parents told us uh, it's that you can't cross the street, right? Right. Well, later on you realize you can, in fact, cross the street, but you should be careful and there are ways of crossing the street. Um, but a lot of us retain some of these early um, maxims and frameworks for the whole of life. Hmm. Um, so is divorce bad? Yes, it is. It's a breakdown in what should have remained for the whole of my life. Um, but may it, it, might it be necessary in a given situation in order hmm. to protect individuals? Yes. So is it bad? And that's where we get stuck and brains freeze and mouths kind of go off in various, you know, comments go out in various directions. You know, that's where we hit the pause button and say, okay, who are you? Hmm. Uh, What do you need? What do you desire? How is the church involved in all of that? You know, the church's response on these issues begins with the presumption that as a Christian, as a Catholic, I'm active as a member of the church. Where we often run into difficulties when we talk about marriage, divorce, and annulment is the intersection. When sometimes people have conversions and they're coming back into the church and they're beginning to see the beauty of the church's teachings and they're finding themselves caught up in the middle. You know, maybe I was raised a Catholic and I left the church after a failed marriage and I've had one or two marriages since then and all of a sudden the Lord's worked on my heart and now I begin to kind of quote come home, and I have no idea what to turn, what how to where to go and who to turn to, and I'm hearing that I'm excommunicated, or you know I have no right to the sacraments, or I'm going to hell because I just approached the sacraments and my neighbor down the street knows that I've been married twice, and I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm just going to give the whole thing up. Mm, right. Right. That's where we hit the pause button, and we say, okay, before we just assume that. The old lady down the street, uh, who has her eye on you, knows right, all is of the authority of the yeah, Catholic knows church, everything. Right? Go talk to someone who actually knows what they're dealing mm. with. You know, it means going to your pastor, going to a priest, uh, maybe going approaching the, the the bishop through the marriage tribunal to ask mm-hmm. some very good questions about where you really are. You know, when we talk about annulments and divorce and marriage, it uh, it can be very we can get lost in the terminology and in the attempts to provide definitions and descriptions. Uh, so maybe just take one concrete example or case, and we kind of put that in front of us. Say I'm a um, Baptist man who has never been married, and I marry a Methodist young lady. And unfortunately, after a few years, our marriage ends in divorce. If we hit pause on that, what did we do? Two baptized persons, a man and a woman, entered into the sacramental union that we call a marriage. And we presume as Catholics, looking at it from the outside, that that union that a Baptist and a Methodist entered into 
is valid, is indissoluble, where the two parties are bound until one of them dies for their good, for their sanctification, for the benefit of children. So now this marriage is a sacramental union between the baptized, ends in civil divorce. The church on the outside looks at that and says, how difficult that must be. You know, we mourn a division that occurs between persons. Now say that Baptist man um, desires to become Catholic and meets a young Catholic woman uh, and desires to marry her. Now, because the man desires to become Catholic or maybe just simply wants to marry a Catholic person, he's now sliding up against the church, enters into our orbit. And that's the moment when we begin to be a little clearer about what it is that we believe with people who are interested in having a conversation with us. Uh, And we say, well, look, we believe that uh, marriage is that we're capable of entering into marriage, and we presume your first marriage is valid. Even though the local state said that you got a civil divorce and you're no longer bound to one another, um, sacramentally you're still connected. Um, So before you enter into that second union with that Catholic woman, or before you enter into full communion and receive the sacraments, it would be a good idea to make sure that you are, uh, in fact, sacramentally united that woman even though you're no longer living with her um, or that you are in fact free to marry when when the time is right as as human beings we are operating in multiple spheres we're operating within church circles and uh, social circles we operate in um, family units and in larger society and so um You know, we're subject to all kinds of different kinds of relationships and and law. And so the church does recognize uh, civil authority in certain respects. And it also says that in certain matters in the life of the church, uh, that it applies or doesn't apply. So the civil society is free to say that two people are no longer bound in marriage, however civil society decides to define marriage. And the church is also free. Uh, to be able to define marriage in a particular way uh, and to be able to say that it it applies or does not apply in certain circumstances. We believe as Christians that marriage is defined given its substance um, by natural law and by divine law uh, and it's fleshed out uh, by the members of the church uh, in union with our Lord. Uh, And we've seen that fleshed out in its descriptions throughout the centuries. Hmm. So that brings just a question to my mind is if if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm someone listening and um, and I'm in a divorce, been wrestling with some of this. uh, Where should I start? Who who would I talk to first? Just my pastor or where's the best place to go, Father? Sure. I, I think first you breathe. Uh, and you turn to the Lord and you thank him for the grace that allows you to take a a pause in your life at this point um, to desire a deeper union with him and the life of the church. And then you go call the local pastor. Hmm. And if the pastor doesn't answer your phone call or your email, (laughs) go talk to another priest. And if that one doesn't, then go talk to the marriage tribunal. 
Mm. Um, you know, the secretaries in the marriage tribunal are very good about pointing you in the right direction and getting you to be able to talk to someone, putting you in front of someone that you can talk to so that you can kind of work through where you are. Mm. Um, because we have, there's a lot of false notions about what marriage is, what divorce is, what an annulment is out there, and definitions and ideas get all mixed in together, and before you know it, everybody's just confused, and people begin to walk away. Yeah. You know, for most of us, you know, there's a, a simple process that we go through in life. You know, we're, we have often come from good homes, and we're raised well, and we want to say yes to the life of the church, and we participate uh, and then one day we find that things begin to break down, and we don't always have the tools at our disposal to be able to walk through the difficulties. Mm. So, you know, go to your pastor, and if you hit a roadblock, you know, give the tribunal a call. And all of that is found usually on the diocesan website, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, um, Father, can you talk a little bit about uh, what that process is like? So if we've, if we've talked to the pastor, talked to the tribunal, and now uh, is there a case that's open? What, is, what does that process look like for someone who might be... Sure. Yeah. So the the process is actually fairly simple. Um, you're going to go through a process where you're asking the church to take a look at your marriage to see at the time that you said yes to the other person, is what I said yes to um, a binding union for the whole of life or not? And you're going to look at that question from a particular set of lenses. Uh, and that begins with a discussion with your pastor or maybe... Someone from the tribunal is going to help you with this process, and it's usually called a marriage case. And you're going to write up, usually, a little narrative uh, describing your marriage and the breakdown, uh, describing your relationship with your spouse or your former spouse, um, and you're going to step through. You're going to collect some documents like marriage and divorce decrees, baptismal certificates, um, And as you're building this narrative for uh, trying to get at what I did when I got married, what my my spouse or former spouse did when they said yes to me, uh, you're beginning to take a look at the marriage from a particular viewpoint. And eventually, when that narrative is compiled and sent in, if it's accepted uh, as a marriage case, uh, the judicial vicar is going to say, okay, this is how we're going to look at this union to see if we can get at the core Mm. and develop moral certainty whether or not this union is binding for life, whether it's an indissoluble bond, an unbreakable bond, or not. Mm. And at the end of the process, as we take a look at it in a very strict way so that we can protect justice and be able to extend the Lord's mercy in the midst of brokenness in a very clear way, Uh, At the end of the process, we're going to be able to say, yes, we think before the Lord that this marriage is binding for life or no, in fact, it's not. And a a declaration will be issued so that both parties, the man and the woman, know as much as we can know this side of heaven, whether or not this union is meant, is, is unbreakable or not, whether it's indissoluble or not. Is that the declaration of nullity, Father? It is. That's mm-hmm. what that is? Okay. And, but that declaration, does it then grant the annulment? Is that how that works? Yeah, or so the declaration of nullity, um, or the declaration that's extended or issued, um, is, is either affirmative or, posi- or negative. Okay. So it's, 
it's yes, we think the marriage does not exist according to this ground, hmm. according to the way that we looked at the union. Or no, the declaration is not given, uh, and so we're upholding, according to this view, this lens, the understanding, the presumption that the marriage is valid and binding for life. Okay. Now, if I receive a declaration where it's negative, where since we say, no, we don't think your marriage is um, invalid according to the way you asked us to look at it, can I resubmit the narrative? Can I resubmit a petition to ask the church to take a look from another angle? Hmm. Yes. And there may be any number of ways in which, unfortunately, people may have entered into marriage um, unprepared um, or with the wrong intention, saying yes to the wrong things, uh, deceiving people. Hmm. And again, we can write a book on all of that. And it's important to, to pause and to have good conversations with a pastor or with someone from the tribunal to try and pick through where I am. Again, nobody wakes up at 14 and goes, I can't wait to get divorced. Right. I can't wait to have someone do a forensic audit of my life. Right, right. Um, but when we find ourselves in difficult situations, uh, are, am I allowing the rest of the body of the church to, to lift me up, to hold me by the arms and help me forward mm. when I don't always know where to go? Mm. And God willing, you know, the members of the church that are around us are there to support us. Um, you know, so fine, my marriage breaks down and it ends in a divorce and it's nasty. Am I cut off from the church? No. Yeah. Uh, might I need to go to confession over some of the things that I did in the marriage that, that where it resulted in divorce? Yes. Um, can I still go to the rest of the sacraments? Yes. Um, do I want to be careful about jumping right into a new union? Yeah. And that's where we want to bring the church in and say, hey, from what we know, when you entered marriage the first time, you were married before a priest and two witnesses. We think you're married for life. So before you go into the second union, slow down <laughs> and let's have a discussion first, a conversation. Sure. And, that, and that's where that uh, annulment process really begins is that initial discussion who are you? Where are you? What do you need? So how about somebody who perhaps <clears throat> is in a divorce and they uh, they might just have an assumption that, no, I'm pretty sure when we got married, um, I really feel like we were, this was, we both knew what we were getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm, I'd be disqualified from an annulment, right? Yeah. So this is something that I've, I've heard before um, from different people. What would be your response to to that statement made by someone. Yeah, I mean, you have a right to assume that you entered in with the best intention, Hmm. and so does your former spouse. Um, And no one needs to go and dig around, right? The church presumes that marriage is valid until we have to take a look at it. Sure. Um, So there's people shouldn't be wondering well i think maybe my marriage is invalid because of x y and z that's gone on in the past no we think that we're capable of we're built for marriage we think we're capable generally speaking we're capable of entering into marriage we're able to say yes to the other person and we go and do it uh, you know the the sacraments 
and the life of the church are not meant for superhumans. They're meant for human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Lord um, extends grace to us knowing that we sometimes make mistakes. That's part of the reason why he gives us grace. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, to help us along the way. Praise yeah. the Lord for that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think we begin with maybe my marriage is invalid, right? Mm. Or if I'm, I find that my marriage did end and, it's, and I've, I'm now a divorced person. But I have to th- say, well, maybe my marriage is invalid. You don't even need to go that route. Um, the only time you really need to begin considering it might be if you would like to enter into a second marriage or maybe you mm. find yourself in a second marriage, right? I mean, you don't just wake up one day in a second marriage. Right. But maybe your awareness of who and what you are and your participation in the life of the church, you know, maybe, maybe you have a conversion and you come back home, let's say, to the, to the life of the church and... Now you've you had a, a marriage that was recognized by the Catholic Church, uh, a divorce, and now you're married a second time civilly, and you don't know where to go. Right. Um, and people are telling you all kinds of different things. That's where you hit pause, <laughs> and you go talk to your priest, and you go talk to the marriage tribunal. Sure. So, Father, one thing that's coming to mind is that um, I would think if if you're going through the annulment process that there there certainly are very many questions that you might have and mm-hmm. and asking yourself and uh not least of which would be what are the implications um if the church grants me an annulment on the fact that I have children that mm-hmm. you know all of these other things have happened um how might they feel about the fact that I've gone through an annulment and yeah. can you speak to that a little bit sure i think in the first place the the work of the marriage tribunal is an exercise of the pastoral care of the bishop for the souls entrusted to him in his diocese. Hmm. So when we think about communicating with the marriage tribunal, um, we should immediately think this might be a way that I can heal. Hmm. Um, Divorce is never like, I can't wait to go in and, and buy the ticket that says divorce. Right. Right. It's not something we ought to desire. It sometimes becomes something that is necessary or that has occurred. Um, and so there's often wounds in the background for others and for even even me if I'm the one divorced. Uh, and so it's an opportunity for me to begin a healing process if I w- will allow the Lord to participate in that with me. Um, so I think we, we start with that. Um and then we step forward mm-hmm. with the individuals that are going to assist with us, so to assist us in the process. And then when we consider marriage and the annulment process, uh, the declaration of nullity, the investigation and its result uh, doesn't look at legitimacy of children. Mm-hmm. The result doesn't say your children are illegitimate or are bastards. It doesn't say there wasn't good in the union. The whole process is looking at what I said, what my spouse said when we joined together, when we said yes, when we exchanged consent at the time of marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was that yes a yes that binds us for life? Mm, I see. And if it's not, then the church wants to be there to be able to publicly say that public union that I contracted that everybody thinks is indissoluble is in fact not 
indissoluble, mm-hmm. and therefore I may be in a position to marry, to attempt marriage again, and sure. do it correctly, the way that I would desire, the way that I ought to be able to contract it. Sure, and that makes that's that clarifies it a lot, Father. Thank you. They. Another question I have for you, and, and I don't want to get – this could easily go down some rabbit holes. So mm-hmm. uh, because of the particularity of each circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I learned not too long ago uh, that was um, – I, I never knew, so it was kind of surprising – was the sacramentality of marriage. And, um, and an assumption that I made previously was that all – that the sacramentality of marriage is only within the Catholic Church, but mm. that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit um, about how what makes a marriage sacramental? Sure. So, I think in the first place, you know, marriage is a natural thing that we're built for as human beings, uh, and so there's natural marriage uh, to a man and a woman, um, not baptized, decide they have a yearning for one another. Let me look, go back to Genesis chapter 2. Sure. Right? They recognize, and so the two people come together, and they say yes, and we say that's a marriage, and that's binding for life. Hmm. When two people are baptized, when those two baptized persons come together and do the exact same thing, the same yes, uh, they enter into marriage. And because they're baptized... They enter in, they benefit from the special firmness that's given them because marriage was elevated by Christ. I see. So there's a grace that's extended uh, to hold that natural union together between the baptized, mm-hmm. a grace that's not extended in a natural union where there might be two unbaptized persons coming together or a baptized person and an unbaptized person. Okay. coming together. So we recognize marriage, marriages between, let's say, a Catholic and an unbaptized person, but we don't call that a sacramental marriage. Okay. But it's a recognized marriage in the life of the church. So then what's the relationship between annulment and sacramental marriage? So we presume that marriage is valid until proven otherwise. Sure. Okay. Um, when two people are baptized... And it's recognized as a valid union by the church. The very fact that two baptized persons are exchanging consent in that recognized way, we presume they've entered into that sacrament. Um, The annulment process says uh, that the exchange that we say provides that union and provides that firmness doesn't happen, Hmm. didn't in fact happen. And so the sacrament was not exchanged between the parties. So I didn't benefit. So the declaration of nullity says I didn't actually benefit from that sacramental grace that the Lord can extend when I say yes to this other person. Okay. So... Is there then a relationship between the annulment and a um, a natural marriage? Yes. Then? So, you know, the way we usually operate is the church law is for those who are within the confines of the life of the church, and when individuals 
um, want to relate with members of the church, that's when they butt up against the law of the church, okay. generally speaking. Um, so if a non-baptized person uh, wants to marry a Catholic and that non-baptized person has been married before, that's when they butt up against church law. And that's okay. when they enter into our orbit, and that's when they willingly allow us to, to help them to have a wider lens to their life on what marriage is and what the human person is built for. Um, you know, Generally speaking, we allow you to have your life until you butt up against our our orbit, our walls. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And I, I imagine that that, is, that, that can be uh, a challenge for mm-hmm. some people, right? Um, you've come across that, I'm sure. People sure, saying, yeah. why, why are you dictating what I must and must not do? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any words of encouragement or <laughs> thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so for most of us who are Catholic... Um, we need to begin with the idea that the church is meant to be a mother for us and assisting us on the road to salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, as individuals, we get things wrong. And so it's important for us to be open to the Lord's grace uh, and to have a heart that's docile enough to receive mm-hmm. um, something larger than myself. Um, And we try and extend that same kind of awareness to those who are entering into the orbit of the church, maybe want to marry someone who's Catholic, uh, and maybe are confused about what we teach and why. Hmm. Um, You know, from one perspective, the Catholic Church says when two non-baptized people get married, we presume that's for life. Hmm. We're built for that union. We're not built for multiple marriages. We're not built for multiple partners. Um, but we leave you alone in your decisions right? Uh, and, until the Lord's grace is ready to touch hearts and slowly, slowly draw you into our orbit. We want everyone to be a part of the church. We want everybody to be subject to the church so that salvation is made possible for them and is uh, made easy for them through the mm-hmm. Lord's grace. Um, so... You know, uh, if you say, I don't want the church to do anything in my life, we're not going to force ourselves down your throat. Right. (laughs) Uh, When you say, I want to be able to participate in the life of the church, then we say, okay, well, share your life with us. Hmm. We will share our life with you, and let's find a way forward. Hmm. There's always a way forward. Even if I find myself in three, four, five marriages, there's a way forward. You know, the the final answer may be a a bit different than what I would prefer, but what can the Lord do in your heart in the meantime? Right. Um, mm. What grace can be extended? That's wonderful. Um, Father, one final question before we uh, wrap up is, uh, so uh, if someone were to come to me, mm-hmm. um, me, Austin, and say, uh, you know, Austin, I've I've just got a lot of questions about this annulment process um, and, you know, or or – Perhaps I'm even considering a divorce or something, but I know the church doesn't like divorce. And, um, you know, we get faced with these things being, uh, being Catholic. We, we hear about these things. Um, what is a good response that we, the laity, can give 
to our friends considering divorce um, that would help bring them closer to the church, basically, keep them close to the church. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in the first place, you encourage them to participate in the life of the sacraments, uh, principally to go to confession. Um, you know, in in interpersonal disputes, very often the default is the other person did X, Y, and Z, hmm. and so therefore. Um, but I, you know, there are always two sides, and I may have something that I need to confess in order to be freed up, hmm. in order to be able to see things from the other person's perspective. Uh, you know, maybe both people won't be able to play ball. Right. Maybe both people won't come to the table. Um, but if I if we begin with inviting the person to take the sacrament seriously, to take their Christian discipleship seriously, it will go a long way to at least making the situation easier, even if the end result is divorce uh, you know, and the, the total breakdown of the marriage. Hmm. Um, so I would say st- we start with the encouragement of the sacraments. Uh, and then we encourage them to to take their time and understand what the situation really is. Um, you know, just because I get divorced does not mean I need to even engage in the annulment process. Mm-hmm. The annulment process is, is important if I'm considering a second marriage or if I, if I am in a second marriage. Uh, and that's when we encourage them to speak with their pastor and speak with the marriage tribunal first. Because every situation is different, even though there's some characteristics that are similar sure. in each one. It comes down to the mm-hmm. individual. Sure. Well, Father, I I really appreciate you coming in to, to talk about this topic. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners before we close? I know we've covered a lot. Sure, just a couple things. I'd say first, you know, remember we're built for the Lord, um, we're built for union with him. We're built for intimacy with him. And one of the ways that he expresses his intimacy is in the institution and the beauty of marriage. You know, we're oriented, ordered to marriage. And many of us choose it. And that choice is a good one. Um, we shouldn't wander around our Christian life worrying that maybe my marriage is invalid. I'm capable of entering into marriage and most of us enter into it well and yeah there may be difficulties but uh, we try to live that union well Um, second I would say you know if you find yourself in a difficult situation are you allowing the Lord and the church through the life of the sacraments to assist in that process healing for yourself healing for your spouse your children Uh, third if you find yourself divorced you know, you're still a member of the church. You didn't get excommunicated because you ended up, your marriage ended up in divorce. You find yourself divorced and remarried. You're not excommunicated. <laughs> you're still a member of the church. Uh, and the question about the reception of the sacraments at this juncture is, a, is left to a conversation that needs to occur between you and your pastor or between you and members of the tribunal who can assist you so that you understand the current situation. And then lastly, I would say, you know, Our Lady and St. Joseph entered into a union for the sake of allowing the Lord's grace to be extended to the whole world, right, for the salvation of the world. 
And so it's, it would be good for us as individuals and as um, Christians who are married to turn to Mary and Joseph and ask for their intercession. Um, the, the grace might be bestowed in our midst uh, to be able to heal the divisions that are there and to help us to have an openness to the steps that the Lord might be inviting next for us in our conversion. Well, that's a fantastic way to end. And I've, just as you talked about St. Joseph and Our Lady, uh, how fitting it is that the pastor from St. Joseph's came to Our Lady of Mount Carmel to do this podcast. So <laughs> Nice. Thanks. Thank you, Father. And I, um, I just encourage our listeners that, uh, uh, that if you have questions, like Father said, just to seek out your pastor, the tribunal. Um, certainly, as we say at the end of this podcast, you're welcome to email us. I will go out and just share with you all that you now have as much information as I do on annulment, so. <laughs> but be happy to put you in touch with, uh, with people if you'd like to email the show. Um, uh, Father, once again, thank you so much. We hope that you have safe travels to, to your next location. And until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. Thanks again for tuning in. We would love for you to join the conversation that we started by sending us an email at vichimundum1633 at gmail.com or by connecting with us on Facebook and or Instagram. And while we love doing these podcasts, we really love hearing from and starting relationships with you even more. I also want to extend an invitation to you that if you like these shows and would like to see more produced by our parish, please feel free to support what we're doing. You can go to Our Lady of Mount Carmel's website and give online by designating your donation to Beachy Mundum. Monthly gifts are especially helpful. Finally, as a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters alone, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. God bless you, and we look forward to talking with you soon.